Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this. is Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> and we will make America great again. Hello and welcome to the show. It's a great show. It's a terrific show. It's a tremendous show. Frankly, the best. Ask anyone. That's what I expect to say about Monday's debate anyway. It's going to be huge. That was terrible. This is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt Christensen. I am flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Rebecca Blonde. Hey. Welcome. No shortage of topics tonight. We're going to cover Charlotte, the police shooting of Keith Scott, and the, re- the, re- the reaction to it, if I could talk. We'll talk about the mall shootings in Washington, not to be confused with the mall stabbing in Minnesota. High alert at all malls, apparently. Uh, we will discuss that as it relates to a question we had lingering from last show. Uh, also, some pre-debate topics before what is set to be the biggest political event ever, possibly, at least in terms of the numbers. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the great debate between Orange Salvation and Diseased Witch. That's that's <laughs> what I'm going to call it. Uh, there's, uh, there's Lincoln Douglas, there's Fraser Ali, and then, of course, there is Trump Hillary. So we're going to break down a little bit of that. Uh, get your popcorn ready. All this and more on your favorite hour of listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for keeping us afloat uh, and helping us upgrade stuff on Patreon, including Blonde's got a new webcam, so she's looking a little nicer. Thank you. A little sharper. And of course, sounding better from the mic upgrade a few weeks ago. So that's all thanks uh, to our patrons. And uh, of course, thank you for emailing us. That's beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. Uh, one more show item to promote. Probably the uh, most common piece of feedback that we get is requests to take calls or increase audience involvement. Uh, and, and I think generally we agree. Trouble is, it's we don't have a producer to manage calls. And so it, it's just us. We don't really have someone to handle all that, that behind the scenes yeah. work for us. It's a little bit too complex to manage uh, the show, manage media, manage Collins, all of these things while also also hosting the show. So, yeah. but there is. And comp- I like chat interaction, but it's hard to do the show and get really involved in the chat. So this is a better way to better way to do that, I think. Yes. So the compromise, and people were mad at me that I didn't promote this like uh, early enough. But I usually do gaming streams on Wednesday nights. And, but I don't, I'll be honest, I don't put a lot of effort into them. And I think the few people who come to them would agree and, and recognize that. So I'm driving home on Wednesday night and I'm thinking, I don't want to, I don't really want to do a gaming stream because I cancel half of them anyway. Uh, that's part of my low effort into those gaming streams is not doing half of them. But I'm driving home on Wednesday night and I thought, well, you know, it'd be cool if we could do these call-in shows. I'm just going to try it out. I'm going to host a stream on YouTube. I'm going to have people call in on Discord. Uh, and I'm going to take questions from the chat. We'll do that for an hour. We'll just see how it goes. And it went way better than I expected it was going to. Like it was way more people than I could manage, way more questions than I could manage. So I had to kind of call. I went an hour and a half instead of an hour. Had to just oh, get really? out there because, yeah, it was just more than I could handle, which is great. Like that's obviously something that's great for the show. So 
Long story short, going to keep doing them on Wednesday nights. So if Blonde wants to be there, Blonde might be there. I don't know. Blonde's a busy lady. She's moving, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, but I'll, I'll be, be there, there starting not this weekend or not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. And you know who I got this Wednesday to co-host with me? You have another co-host? Well, t- I, I figured you were going to have a busy time. So I reached out to our old pal, Biggest Mikey. He's going to come oh, okay. co-host the call-in show with me. So that's going to be a fun time. That'll be Wednesday, 9 Eastern. And... Because we got a lot to discuss, so I don't want to sit on this for forever. The last piece of information on that, if you can't catch it live, obviously it's the best to to be there live because it's all interactive. But if you can't do that, they're posted on demand on the audio platforms for the show. So that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean. You can listen back to them there. So if you're not subscribed over on those audio platforms, there's that. There's also additional bonus uh, listening material over there. So be sure to check those out. New stuff every single week there all through the logistical crap. <laughs> the other thing we got going, we're getting fan art all the time now, and I like it because I love fan art. I don't know. So it do always I. makes me laugh. But uh, last week we got a request because last week we were talking about uh, Hillary and Pepe and the anti-Pepe media. So we got uh, a submission from Collectively Unconscious on Twitter, Collective, Collectively You, at Collectively You. And it was this great piece of... This uh, recreation of uh, Vader and Obi-Wan and Pepe as Obi-Wan, Hillary as Vader. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. (laughs) Which, of course, has been true. Hillary has struck down Pepe and he has become more powerful than any of us could have possibly imagined. (laughs) Which I love. So that's at Collectively You on Twitter. Just before the show, we got this awesome piece of art that features you. And this was from... And I'm, I was so excited. Right when I started doing my channel, I did some crappy artwork with me inside a like disgusting belly and things were dripping on me. So when I got this today, I was so excited because it's just what I was going for. So he's doing my Twitter and my YouTube and he's going to do my intro and outro. And that is Feed Fancier. Is that correct? Yes, Feed Fancier. And it's <laughs> so you're you're kind of under the the themes here, these subtle words of sexist, racist. Does it say yeah, rapist? Yeah. What? I, I can't tell what the other one is. The one on the I, right. I had him put bigot, but we took it out because it oh. was hard to see the disgusting innards. And I really like the gross element of like being inside. <laughs> yeah, the this belly. is very. Well, I was going to say that like <laughs> the theme of racism absolutely uh, completes it. That makes it very you. So I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that really. It, that it was. Although taken I'm out. not a rapist. Although I'll take yeah. sexist though. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, this is really cool art. We really appreciate it. We really and appreciate then uh, it. the last I got isn't so much of fan art. It's just like every once in a while I'll get a, a meme on Twitter that someone sends me that just really makes me laugh. This week it was this one. Um, this was sent to me by at David Lee RGV. The face you make when you make five bombs, shoot three cops and still can't kill anyone. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, and of course, that is with reference to the New York uh, City pressure cooker bomb man i forget his name but of course we've already forgotten about him because the news is so chock full of terrorist attacks and riots and murders and awful things that he's just kind of uh we forget that was just last week at this time but he's kind of out of the picture already already. oh my god it's amazing how these just turn over so fast so uh this week was the week that uh charlotte who I, i don't know there's more to talk about in charlotte then I can explain in one sentence. So I expect that's going to take up the bulk of the show here. You want to just dive into it? I figure we can... The big development in the last couple of days is the is the release 
of several pieces of footage. So if you've been hiding under a rock, you haven't heard police shooting in Charlotte. Uh, Keith Lamont Scott is the name of, uh, of the victim. Uh, or again, uh, they use the word victim to describe him. That might not even be the right word necessarily. The, the man who was shot. It's the name of the dead guy. Yes. Uh, he, and he's an African-American man shot by an African-American police officer uh, under the leadership of the African-American police chief. Uh, so, of course, it's all white people's fault. Logical conclusion. But the big development is all the, all the footage has been released. So f- cell phone footage from the wife of the guy on the scene and we had the dash cam footage and we have the body cam footage from as far as i can tell it's not the officer who shot him it's another officer wearing a body cam but i've cut that up to be as uh quick as possible let's take a look and i know you said you had been through this several times now right oh yes yes. okay so you might have you might be more keen on it than i am Don't shoot him. Don't shoot. Okay, so don't what we're looking shoot at him. here. Don't shoot him. So this is the this is the footage of the um the wife who is on scene with the officers and uh, Keith Lamont Scott, the man who was shot. He has no weapon. He has no weapon. He didn't do anything. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. He okay, doesn't so have a gun. Officers saying several times, "Drop the gun." He doesn't have the gun. He has a TBI. He's not going to do anything to you guys. He. Just- TBI being traumatic brain injury, right? That's the source of, right. they're saying he's uh, disabled. Uh-huh. So he, and he was in some kind of car accident. So that's, she's saying he has a traumatic brain injury, right? Okay. Just took his medicine. Keith, don't let them break the windows. Come on out the car. Keith, Keith, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Okay. This is what I, this is the only thing that I wanted to highlight. Um, because by and large, the footage is just kind of, oh it doesn't necessarily specifically confirm, but it just validates a lot of what police said. Which Keith, he had a, Keith, don't you do it, is what right. you just said. So police, police said he had a firearm on him. Um, and keep in mind, he was a felon. He went to jail for eight years for shooting a firearm at a police officer. He should not be having a gun. North Carolina is an open carry state. I get that. That doesn't mean brandish a gun when police tell you to drop <laughs> it. And it also doesn't mean felons get to have guns. Right. He had an ankle so, monitor. He, he could not have a gun. Right. So we have a lot of problems going on here. And just like you said, when she says, don't you do it, don't you do it. What does that mean? I mean, to me, yeah, that's like, yeah. don't do harm. So I'm thinking I one of two things. Well, CNN would say he, that she was talking to the cops, I'm sure. Oh, what doesn't she say? Keith, Keith, don't you do it? Yeah, but she says Keith. Um, it's kind of sounds like she was referring to something that she had previously said when you listen to the whole thing. Okay. Okay. Well, she maybe... might have actually been talking to the cops on that one. I don't know. It's irrelevant. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know why she would have any insight into whether or not he has a gun. I mean, she's like way the hell away. Like, what does I she in- know? I interpreted that as her talking to Keith. And if she is, I'm thinking, okay, don't do what? Don't do harm. So that's either harm right. to self. Right. Or that's harm to the police officers. One of the two. He doesn't have yeah. a gun, but also don't you do it. Well, don't do what if he doesn't yeah. have a gun? Anyway, let's see the rest of this footage here. Keith! 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 Don't you do it! Okay, so that's the shot. I've, I've taken out. There's a, This is the dash cam. Or, uh, yeah, the dash cam footage here. If you watch the dash cam footage, you can actually see the moment at which he's been shot. I've not included that in this cut because I don't know what YouTube's rules are going to be on that. So I've cut it 
at the exact frame before he's shot. But this is what happens on the left there is um, the SUV in which Keith is sitting. And then you have police officers taking cover behind this pickup truck to its right. And they're saying, drop the gun, drop the gun. And he exits the vehicle and just kind of aimlessly sort of walks around. And it's right about then, right about that frame that he is shot. Um, so he, I mean, it, to be fair and to be clear at no point does he ever appear to aim a firearm at police officers or make like explicitly threatening gestures. However, Oh, come on. Well, I'm, come I'm trying on. to, <laughs> all right. You, you, you tell me why I'm being too generous. Okay. He's walking around like a zombie. He clearly has a gun. He's surrounded by cops telling him to drop the gun, drop yeah. the gun, or they're going to shoot you. They were probably also saying, drop the gun or we're going to shoot. Mm-hmm. It's not like, Oh, what do I do? I don't no, know what I, to do. I, Nobody's telling me what to do. I agree with that. I'm just making 12 a distinction. Times. 12 times just, they told him. I'm just making it. Well, it should have been 13, clearly. I mean, obviously, obviously 13 would have been proper <laughs> protocol. But I'm just making a <laughs> distinction between disobeying orders, which he is doing. And, and clearly, I think that you know police are trained to view that as a threat. I get that. When there's a weapon in play, it's a second. He pulls that up, shoots him. I get it. I'm just making a distinction between disobeying orders and actively aiming and threatening. But what did he spend eight years in prison for? Right. <laughs> but do they know that? I mean, um, he has are, you, are you asking longer. rhetorically or are you asking seriously? No, no, no. I'm asking seriously. The oh, last no, report he... that I read said that he spent seven years in for a violent crime. And then some of it was like some mm-hmm. domestic dispute related. My stuff. understanding is he fired a gun at a police officer. I might ah. be wrong in that. But that is my understanding. I thought I read that. I don't have a source on that at the moment. But yeah, it was a violent offense. So you're dealing with someone who has a history, should not have a gun, uh, has a history of violent crime, spent a lot of time in for violent crime. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll proceed. There's more uh, footage here. So this is that's the point at which he's shot is right about there. Um, so that's, I mean, we, that's the extent of him walking out of the car. This is the body cam footage. And for whatever reason, a lot of the audio has been cut with this, uh, leading the conspiracy theorist to speculate about what was actually said. But here is one officer, I guess, trying to break the glass on his SUV, or I'm not sure what he's trying to do, but he walks around the side here. So this is another angle. That's Keith getting out of the car. He's aiming his firearm at the officer or at, at Keith. Uh, and then he's shot. And I can't tell if this... This can't be the officer who shot him because this guy's white and yeah. the cop who shot him is black. But anyway, they they get him on the ground. They try to revive him, but it doesn't work. Uh, so here's the gun they found at the scene that he had on his person. Uh, I, I was told or I'd read that his fingerprints were on this firearm. It's not a plant. Keith yeah. Scott's fingerprints were on this firearm. Uh, that's confirmed. <clears throat> uh, there's the ankle holster that he had. And then for whatever it's worth, I mean, this is just something else that was on him was this blunt. So I'm not crazy about that, but, you know, that's part of the evidence. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, man. Um, like I said, there's a lot of complex facts here. And generally speaking, I don't like to talk about race because I don't think race is relevant in this discussion at all, except for the people who think it's the entire explanatory variable. So if they're going to say that's what explains this, well, black, black cop shot black guy who wouldn't disarm according to black police chief. i know god so i love this uh, narrative that the black community has that they planted a gun it's like oh this guy that's done this exact thing before definitely is getting framed by people from within the black community like definitely. you have to go through many levels of conspiracy theorizing to get there 
That's I mean, you, insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Black, black police chief, too. Black cop, black police chief. Like, you, what the fuck's wrong uh, with you? I, no, it was just some thug that did some stupid crap. This is the most, like, cut and dry shooting footage I have seen. It's like, yeah. I think that, the that only clips. thing that's debatable is, like, I mean... He he did he did everything wrong short of aiming a gun at police officers. So the only yeah. thing that's left to debate is like, well, are we going to say police officers can't shoot until they're aimed at? Well, the moment they're aimed at is the moment they're dead. Also, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what else today? Oh, and also there was no book recovered at the scene. The family said he was reading a book in the car. He had no gun. Well, there was a gun recovered and no book. Hmm. Unless it's a police cover up, right? Uh, and they just threw the book in the garbage or something. Anyway, what happens? What's the reaction? Well, the reaction is white oppression, white people's fault. You know what the uh, reaction spinning is. Spinning of all this stuff. So the last video both of us made actually dealt with covering the actions of these riots, which don't let anyone say the word protests. I'm not big on semantics, but I do get annoyed that the media won't call these riots. They are definitional riots. They are violent. They Did you see awful. that news anchor backtrack? I had it in my video, but he goes riots and then he goes not riots. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's like what what what's a riot if this isn't a riot? I know, unbelievable. It's a peaceful protest. So, um, so I thought, well, how can I get all of these some of these clips together in a way that we can analyze them in a way that's unique to this show? Uh, <laughs> if you've watched this show for a while, you know our friend. Over the summer, we went to the Republican National Convention. Friend of the show, Daryl Lamont Jenkins, took issue with Blonde saying, "I can't believe." that you would call Black Lives Matter racist uh, and made her uh, validate uh, that claim. So where possible, we have tried to validate that claim. And we will do that with some of the footage from Charlotte. You ready? First of all, it's amazing to me that you can call Black Lives Matter racist. And now, Daryl Lamont uh -oh. Jenkins is a- Hold on, hold on. It's skipping for me. Let's try again. First of all, it's amazing to me that you can call Black Lives Matter racist. And now, Daryl Lamont Jenkins is amazed that someone called Black Lives Matter racist. No, I'm not joking you. Just know that all white people are fucking devils. And make sure you air that one. Air that shit. We're airing it. Make sure to air it. Fucking devils and white people. You white fuckers. You a white bitch. Y'all white crackers. Fuck dog. Y'all fucking white bitches. What the fuck is your ugly ass looking at you fucking coon? You dirty ass motherfucking coon. And I just want to say that a good white man is a dead one. And I say that to say this because that's the way that they feel about us. Various people, agitators, out of the crowd. And so this was the uh, CNN anchor reporting on scene. Boom. Ed, are you okay? Yeah, 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 we're fine, Anderson, we're fine. So just, uh, someone taking out their frustration oh, on just, me. Just someone taking out their frustration on us. Hey, what's this? A, a white reporter beaten up and unconscious. Hey, why not throw him in the fire? Good thing these police officers intervened to stop this barbaric act. And, of course, here is a young white man begging for mercy being targeted for a beating in a parking garage where he is stripped down, pulled across the concrete, kicked, punched. So, first of all, it's amazing to me that you can call Black Lives Matter racist. Tune in next time when Daryl is amazed that Black Lives Matter is pulling poorly.
So distasteful, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But you know what? You know what's distasteful? All of that stuff. It's some of the most distasteful imagery I've ever seen. Oh, God. We, we talked about oh, this God. in Milwaukee, like targeting of, of white people for vandalism, violence. It's the same stuff that happened in Charlotte. And I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Frankly. But look at this underlying white guilt and all these cucks. That reporter that got shoved over, he just goes, oh, they're just taking out their frustration. It, it, all the root of this is white guilt. And, the only and you, way that we can set this back is if people stop being pussies and stop apologizing for this. Yes, we didn't do I, anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Neither I'm, did any of these white people. I'm fully on board with you there. And, and honestly, when you sit down and you think about it objectively, if you look at that footage and your response is to say, yeah, well, I can understand why, by which you mean, yeah, I can understand why all these pathetic poor people or these pathetic black people you might even mean i can understand why they would do that well that in itself is is a remarkably racist oh, yeah, attitude yeah. and an, an incredibly racist attitude to look at that yeah. and justify it no the bigotry of low expectations like they yeah. aren't they aren't capable intellectually of, of not committing horrible crimes on a daily basis we, they just can't we, do it <laughs> yeah we should not accept this morally ethically from anyone and to have a double standard based on race Oh, no. That's that's obje objectively racist. It's as simple as yeah. that. I do yeah, want to seriously. make one point of clarification um, or because I there. Oh, someone's mowing the lawn. I thought it was in my <laughs> in my <laughs> headset. I was like, oh, what just came up? So hopefully you can't really hear that. But that's loud. Damn it. No, I can't hear anything. Okay, good. They'll ruin the show. Um, great time, dude. I'll go talk to the next door neighbor and be like, no mowing the lawn on Sunday nights, man. It's like dark out anyway. What's he doing? Jesus, that's loud. Okay, uh, let's. Um, I want to make this one point of clarification on it. The guy who said the only good white man is a dead white man was in Tulsa. And I'm going to show you something. It, there's a little bit of context to walk that back just a little bit. I want to be fair in my presentation of that. So just a short clip here. And I say that to say this because that's the way that they feel about us. They feel that... So he says the only good white, the only good uh, white man is a dead white man. That's I say that because that's the way they feel about us. They immediately take away his mic. Uh, just to be fair, he did, his 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 words were not necessarily representative of the crowd's opinion. So I do want to acknowledge that. Like five people were clapping and like two right. people booed, and then everybody so, else was silent. I think it's definitely what you know. Come on, come on, just, just trying, just trying to be fair, just trying to do my part. Uh, okay. So, oh, there's one more, there's one more fact about all of this that I think is really crucial. And I saw the uh, guy from the Charlotte police union who was on CNN talking about who's actually committing all of these violent acts. Cause I know if this was my city, I'd be really pissed off if they were doing this kind of damage to my city. Oh yeah. And the, the Charlotte, uh, the guy with the Charlotte cops union, let's find that. Where do, 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 do. Uh, actually has this to say about the people coming in or who's actually doing the riding. still in say that this is not Charlotte that's out here. These are an outside entity that are coming in and causing Let's, these problems. On. I think we got lawn mowing and uh, internet These are not protesters. Nightmare. These are Nightmare criminal. combination. Let's try again. I still Better say that this is not week. Charlotte that's yeah. out here. These are an outside entities that are coming in and causing these problems. Uh, these are not protesters. These are criminals. 
Uh, protesters fight for a cause. They sit down and discuss it. These are protesters that commit crime. They're criminal. Uh, they're out here for a different purpose. They're not here to, to resolve issues and resolve problems. They're out here for their own good. So you're saying that all the people on the streets are not from Charlotte? Well, I'm not saying all the people, but we've got the instigators that are coming in from the outside. I mean, you've heard reports even last night. They were coming in on buses from out of state. Uh, if you go back and look at some of the arrests that were made last night, uh, I can about say that probably 70% of those had out-of-state IDs. They're not coming from Charlotte. That's a pretty important fact. 70% with out-of-state IDs. The question becomes, who are they and who's paying oh, for it? Man. Who's, I mean, who is funding domestic terrorism? Let's be honest. That's what this is. This is domestic terrorism and someone's paying for it. I know, I know it it's always George like, Soros, George Soros, I mean, that's what, I guess that's what people would assume, but I just want a smoking gun. I want to know. And I know he has given specifically to Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, but I just want to know. I, I think, mean, what do you uh, need to see, Skag? Bus tickets? I don't know. I, I just, I would like to know specifically who is in Charlotte and who paid for them to get there. That's what I would like to know about Charlotte specifically, because Charlotte, I think, is somewhat of a unique event. Maybe Milwaukee was the same. I don't know. I mean, what we saw in Milwaukee and what we saw in Charlotte are very similar. Uh, in terms yeah. of the things that were said, in terms of the damage done. Maybe it's also what happened in Milwaukee. I have no idea. I just know that this, this, I guess there were those riots in Baltimore too where they burned a bunch of stuff. But to me, the Charlotte and Milwaukee are the worst ones yet. Maybe I'm wrong with, with that, but I, I don't remember things being this bad in years past. Neither do I. <sighs> there goes I wonder if they're getting in at like a community level and recruiting people from towns come and do this yeah i don't know but someone can crack the case figure out who's i mean the, i don't know there ought to be a law there ought to be a law see <laughs> that's that's what else you no. can't fund this crap uh okay the, the the question that comes out of this too now is so we've reviewed all the facts black officer shoots uh black criminal and somehow still let's blame white people and riot. How will this possibly be spun? I'm amazed that like Black Lives Matter still gets its Twitter emoji and still kind of gets positive press and all this stuff right. when it is engaging in what is definitionally domestic terror at this I point. I know. So why are we, why are we accepting, why, why aren't we more critical of this when it's actively destroying cities? And how are we going to spin this into a claim of racism when it's, it, there's no way to do so? Well, they're going to say it's a class issue. There was that. There's that. And then, um, like I was saying before the show, when I was looking up, I was doing research for the show, I wanted to break stuff when I watched this clip of Al Sharpton on MSNBC. Oh, no. Ah, I hit the wrong button. Hold on. It's going to freeze a second. Al Sharpton. God. Ah. I think I might have just messed up the show. It's okay. Oh my gosh. We can always talk it through Skag. Okay, I think I fixed it. I think I fixed it. Jeez, man, we're having some... Okay, make sure we're back. Sorry about the freeze in the show there, people. I swear. See, this is what I was talking about. We don't have a producer. It's just me. And when I mess up, the whole thing 
gets messed up. So let's try this again. My guy, Al Sharpton, explaining what's going on in Charlotte. Take it away, Al. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's an angle here. A lot of people, when they look at stories like this, in many cases, it is a white officer and a black victim. And the narrative that gets presented a lot of times in the media, the conversation usually involves, well, did the white officer have certain maybe embedded assumptions that, that he was acting on, that she was acting on? But when it's a black officer and a black, uh, and a black person is killed, there's uh, there, talk a little bit about that. Well, because the feeling is that many black officers know that they can get away with doing in the black community to black suspects uh, what they would never do in another community. What you have not seen is a lot of black cops or white cops do this to white suspects. So even though there may not be the same embedded prejudice, there may be an embedded that I can be more reckless here or not as cautious here because why don't we see this with black cops in, in, in other areas where, let me hasten that, we shouldn't see it in any area. Yes, to follow the yes, law, Al, break the law. black cops are racist to black people. You, you want to, His question is, why don't we see them doing this to white people? Why? Because the a disproportionate amount of violent crime and crime in general is taking place in these communities where this stuff happens. They happen to be statistically African-American. <laughs> Sorry, Al, that's the way it is. So, you want to know why it's happening? Jim Carrey has an excellent answer. This is why it's happening. <laughs> That's it. Stop breaking the law, asshole! Yeah. Breaking the law, Black people asshole! commit more violent crime. Why they commit more crime than white people. <sighs> this website is messing up my jokes tonight. Let's keep skipping. But yeah, Jim Carrey's got the answer here. Stop breaking the law, asshole! That's why. That's why. <laughs> If you don't want aggressive policing and you want to know why there are these unfortunate encounters with police in these communities, stop breaking the law. Yeah. Stop breaking the law. Yeah. And at a minimum, if you're in a precarious situation where you've already broken the law, then obey police orders. Like yes. drop your gun. That guy would be alive. He would have just dropped his gun the first time or the fifth time or the tenth time that they told him to drop his gun. Idiot. I. He, he, Sharpton says... Black cops know they can get away with this kind of stuff easier in black communities. Well, you've still presupposed that they have this conspiratorial motive to want to punish black people for no reason right. that you have yet to explain. Please do why? explain. I would like to know why. What? Oh, the of daughter of um of what is his name? Uh, Keith Lamont Scott. Yeah, she's talking to some black uh, cop. And she's like talking about how she's a traitor to her own community yeah. and how she still lives in this community and everything. She's stuck here. She calls her some derogatory name. I, I can't remember what it was. Well, though. she called tons of them coons. She told yeah. she called yeah. them. I don't know. I mean, she used every profanity known to man. She was at them for an hour. There's a whole hour long yeah. YouTube and video. And then she talks about all how all white people like fuck their sisters and fuck dogs yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wild. and and I mean totally that's wild. what's we've talked about it. It's so tragic to me because. I, a family that has lost someone, I get it if you have an extreme reaction and there should be some understanding there, but to what extent are we willing to kind of defer? Are we willing to say like, well, that's just a family grieving. This is awful. This is horrific. I mean, if my 
think just think about it think imagine the horror of your relative being shot by police officers imagine what would happen and then imagine you you would probably go to the police officers to try to be like well what the hell what happened can someone explain this to me would you yell racist epithets at the police officers would you harass them for an hour even if you did like let's say like you know you bleepity bleeps killed my brother or my sister or whatever Maybe you'd say that once. Would you do it for an hour while they're investigating the scene and just sit there harassing them? I don't know. I have a hard time. Uh, no, of course not. Especially depending on the level of involvement of my family member. Like if it was very obvious, like in this situation, they had perpetrated a crime that was going to obviously end in them getting shot by a cop. I would keep my mouth shut. Yeah. You know, he had a book. <sighs> no. What a lie. Well, here's, what a, here's what a all fantastic the... lie. Since it's taken us a half hour to kind of dissect like the facts and the reaction to it and how it's spun, I just want to close out with some of the effects that it's had on me. And I think effects that it's had, that all of this has had on kind of your average American or even your average viewer worldwide. And I think this has been so factually challenged and just kind of narrative based and spun that it's, and, and, and out of control, frankly, that it's just counterproductive. So these are, I mean, every action has clearly not been a memorial to Keith Scott. Nobody's mourning Keith Scott. I don't even think his family members were mourning him based on that reaction. Um, his wife had it, an odd reaction too, I thought, to the whole thing happening in real time. I thought it was so bizarre. I mean, it, 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 I can't be persuaded that harassing police officers with racist remarks and burning down businesses and looting and rioting and killing people. I got there was protester pro, on protester murder is somehow oh, a, a yeah. memorial to this guy who lost his life, which is of course tragic. Um, but this is this is what's all of that. This is not company, a tragedy. No, I'm not calling this well, a tragedy. This is one dumbass that got shot for a very good reason. I'm not sad about this. I'm not mourning this guy's life. I don't care. I don't care. Listen to me. Don't care at all. Well, here's here's what I'm. The point I'm kind of getting at is like, this is so counterproductive that I think that, I mean, there's, I, I don't think, I know that this is fuel to the, I mean, they are actual racists themselves, but this is fuel to actual racism. I mean, if you, if you want fuel to the fire of anti-black racism, this is it. This is kindling. Go ahead and throw it on the fire. It's going to burn nice and hot. And even for me, like, I don't, obviously I don't let this push me to the point of, of an indictment on black people as people. But what this does do to me is it really makes me think about how much of the problems that plague this community are cultural as opposed to like not having a fair chance in society. And I've, and I'm now more convinced than ever that the only solution to all of this is a transformational leader in the black community, because quite frankly, this, the type of person who's protesting or rioting in Charlotte will only listen to a fellow black person. That is just the way it is. We need a transformational leader who's going to change this culture of victimization and blame into a culture of family and initiative. And yeah. that is the only solution that's going to change this. One generation of fathers sticking around and, you know, men and women staying married and fathering and raising their children together would solve like 80 percent of the black community's problems. The remainder could be solved by education. I said it in my video. These are these are problems of their own making that are persisting because of problems that they're creating. They're not taking responsibility for their own community. Um, it's just not, it's not white people's oppression that's caused any of these problems, even, you know, initially. Black people were doing so well in the 40s. They had more marriage. They had more intact nuclear families. They were at the same kind of rates, like wages, that white people were. They were doing really well. 
And then this is what the community has descended into. It's, it's tragic. There's a tragedy. It, it is. It is absolutely tragic. And uh, I don't know what it's going to take. I can't do it. Like I said, we got to like, I don't know. We, we need someone to rise. We need uh, so, someone to rise and encourage uh, a culture of introspection. And, well, and yeah. It, like, I mean, feminism also needs to be destroyed in the black community. It's what caused a lot of this, too. Hmm. Uh, another, I suppose, probably a topic for another. The one thing I didn't get to, too, was their list of demands. But we've spent the majority in the sh- of the show on this. That I mean, their demands are kind of what you'd expect. Defund the police and give us all your money. And then they said <laughs> release all the all the people arrested for rioting. No. Okay. No. Yeah. Take take a little responsibility. Be a little. Uh, what about that rioter that killed that other rioter? Release him. him. Oh. He didn't. He didn't do nothing. We need a little we need a little tough love on this because coddling this toxic ideology is going to get us nowhere. We need some tough love. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only tough love that these the rioting types are going to listen to is some tough love from within their own community. Um, oh no, they'll they'll start listening when they're when the money dries up, when they can't be government dependent anymore. Well, what we'll are single how, moms going to do? In the we'll black see community. how long that takes. Uh yeah, that's that's going to be happening here pretty soon. <laughs> pretty soon something's got to change but uh i don't know that's about all i have to say on that so unless you have uh, more thoughts on it perhaps you can explain to me what the hell's going on with the cascade mall shooting in your neck of the woods sure this happened what two days ago um but i just <clears throat> i just pulled up this report before before we got on our podcast so i'm not sure if this is all confirmed but five were killed i know that for sure and the shooter was a 20-year-old Turkish Muslim. Uh, so he was caught yesterday, I believe. Um, and this is what I, why I really want to talk about this. Uh, five people are dead. This is a likely terrorist attack. But originally, he was reported as being a Hispanic man. And I'm like, indiscriminate shooting at a mall, five people killed, and the guy's brown. He was just too brown well, for them to it, be like, so that, that's a white guy. Was it indiscriminate? or because I've heard I, one report that he said the girl's name before he shot her, but he also shot five people, and none of them had any relationship. None of, none of whom had any. Okay. So, like, so normally when, in these like spouse disputes or boyfriend-girlfriend disputes, there was one in Seattle a few months ago, but it almost yeah. always ends with, with a suicide. The person kills himself. Yeah, this guy yeah. had a waiting accomplice. So how good of a friend would you have to be with somebody for them to be like, yo, I'm going to go kill my bitch girlfriend and then four randos in the mall. I need you to wait in the parking lot and come pick me up. No, it's some fucking Muslim guy that's like, oh, yeah, Allahu Akbar, I'll wait for you. Well, you're but that is at this point your speculation, right? Oh, yeah. Unconfirmed. Okay, I am not doubting your speculation. But let's go back last week and talk about the Minnesota mall stabbing <laughs> and how I was correct about that. And then well, next I'm, week we can talk about this. I'm ready to go into that whenever you are. But I, I want to make sure we're like I'm up to date on what's going on here. But there's to still me, information coming out because he just got um, caught. He just like they said he fled on foot, which is bullshit. They never would have been able to find or they would have found him immediately. So, the, you know, he had to have an accomplice. The funniest thing I saw. And again, you know, I'm a terrible person for finding comedy in these awful situations no. but you know dude there's only there's only one way to process so much of the horrific things that are happening right now and that is just like by highlighting the absurdity uh it's he tweeted insane. out like a year ago that he was supporting hillary and so everyone's calling for hillary to disavow this guy <laughs> trump needs to disavow david duke and she needs to disavow what's his name arcan satine yeah 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 I, that's fine we'll go with that i mean tomorrow's debate should just be here's a list of like 500 awful people who support you disavow name them all and disavow. one by one yeah. yeah 
Uh, I would imagine we have a lot, a lot of disavowing to do based on um, some of the people who shit post in our chat, probably. Yeah, really. We have or a, the a comment lot section of... on my videos about about any kind of black community. They, they're incredibly <sighs> racist. They're so racist. Or the comment section on any YouTube video, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. So is there anything else on Cascade Mall? I mean, it seems like there's just not I mean, enough out necessarily. I anticipate to... that this was a lone wolf terrorist attack, um, you know, of the San Bernardino variety. Do we yeah, know who reported he was Hispanic? Um, that... I heard that it was the Burlington police, but I think that it was probably, you know, it spread like wildfire. I heard he was Hispanic from every single mainstream media. And then I saw a picture of him and I was well, like, uh, that is an Arab guy. Well, I'm kind of so, wondering, like, did the police get that from some, from an eyewitness who maybe told them? I mean, I, I bet the police aren't trying no, to they be saw, like... they saw camera footage from the inside of the mall. Oh, so I'm trying to figure out like You can who... see him. He's clearly Middle Eastern or Arab, but they're, oh, he's brown. So what are we, how are we going to spin this, guys? We better say he's Mexican. That's going to piss off the leftist way less than it is if we say he's Muslim. Good. If that's the case, I'd like to believe someone just made a mistake. But if that's the case, that it was like an active, politically motivated. Of course, it was. Cover-up. They always say it's a white guy when it's like clearly a Muslim shooter or terrorist. They're always like white man suspect. It's like they can't see that we're going to be able to tell in like four hours that this was a Muslim person, and this is the same thing every time. Like we're so stupid. Well, speaking of what might be Islamic violence in in. Uh, where is it? Burlington, uh, Washington. What's the town in Washington? 35 miles north of Seattle, Burlington. Okay. Yeah. So like up near probably, so like between Seattle and, um, Bellingham maybe. Uh, I think it's further north than Bellingham. I'm not sure. Oh, isn't no. Bellingham like on the Canadian border? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know anything about geography. My woman brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you dispute any of blonde's claims, it's just woman brain. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. That works every time especially with directions we justify her racism with sexism that's (laughs) (laughs) that is a great strategy i like it yeah okay so this leads to bellingham people in the chat are telling me this leads to more there's mall violence every week i guess so last week we talked about the minnesota mall stabbing this was in st cloud you had suggested at the time rather audaciously that this might be islamically motivated violence ding ding turns out to be correct I think um, I said it was probably a Somali immigrant, to be fair. Right. That's right. And it turns out that's exactly what it was. Oh! And actually, you're right. Because at the time, we did know, because he was saying, are you Muslim? Uh, no. Stab. That's that's what this yeah. guy did. Uh, we don't know so the motivation. We know about the facts. But one of the things that you and I left that conversation with was, given the facts, which is, guy goes around mall stabbing people, and person who stops him is not a police officer, but is actually an uh, well, he is a police officer, I guess, but he's an off-duty one who just happens to have a gun. He's not an on-duty police officer in St. Cloud. He's from a neighboring community. He's a good guy with a gun, as the NRA describes, and as kind of that saying goes, the only way to stop a bad guy with a weapon is a good guy with a weapon or a gun. Clearly, that was the case in this instance. And the question was, how would the anti-gun people get around that? And I and I... I would have guessed like maybe they'd just say, well, this is kind of a one-off thing and they do kind of do that. But I found an article that actually goes a little bit further than that, that tries to spin this and talk about how uh, firearms as as a self-defense or public defense mechanism is not necessarily the greatest thing. I want to just read a few, um, a few passages from this wonderful work. 
So it's called the rare good guy with a gun. Um, the NRA likes to say the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, blah, blah, blah. The attack in Minnesota uh, was a knife-wielding ass, uh, assailant who was shot dead by a former police officer, a uh, former police chief. So he actually isn't a current police officer. His name was Jason Falconer. He's kind of a firearm uh, rights advocate guy, NRA guy. Um, and the And the NRA tweeted, Jason Falconer is a gun owner, NRA certified instructor, and owner of a shooting range, a good guy with a gun. Falconer is indeed all that, which is why his skillful response is such a comprehensive rebuttal to the NRA's habitual nonsense. By all accounts, Falconer is a good guy, but his heroics or and his heroics saved lives. What made him effective, however, is that he's an expert guy. The NRA is not suggesting that every aspiring gunslinger become an expert. Quite the contrary. The organization talks a lot about gun safety, but its priorities lie elsewhere, such as uh, uh. its demand that virtually every American have immediate access to firearms without training or qualification or cause or background check, and that they be authorized to carry these fi- firearms in public, no matter how unskilled or reckless they may be. So it's kind of this spin into like, well, it's not the fact that he had one, it's that he's an expert. But so my, I guess my question to them would be, so are you on board with like... Uh, what the NRA wants in terms of firearm availability, but you just want training so everyone can be a Jason Falconer expert? Yeah, yeah, I mean. Because if that's the case, you probably have a lot of areas of agreement. Yeah. Yep. But this is the best This is the best spin effort I've found. You know, this journalist had like a piece of paper and was like, well, I'll try this, but that's not a very good spin. And then I guess I'll try this one. Just not very effective. I mean, I, I, I everybody don't know. needs to be an expert. I think the NRA is really fair about that. And they're big on gun safety, too. They're never like, anybody, everybody should buy a gun. I've never heard that from the NRA. I know very few people who are lawful gun owners who aren't big on safety, to be honest. I mean, Me there, there yeah. are some. I guess there are some who are reckless. But every lawful firearm owner I know target shoots or hunts or does something with these that that you know increase their proficiency with the weapon. For I know sure. very few who just... Well, I just like bought this at Costco and I leave it on the desk loaded and the kids like to look at it sometimes. I mean, that's, I'm sure it happens, but I don't think that's very common. Nope. Nope. And and by the way, I mean, just speaking from my position, speculating, let's say I was in that mall and I'm shopping and I see this guy running around and go, hey, you Muslim? Nope. Hey, you Muslim? Nope. Stab. Like, please, anyone with good intentions and a gun, please Please, I don't care if you can't hit a, the broadside of a barn from 10 yards away. Please, like go for anything. It, yeah. I don't, the intent is what matters there. I mean, obviously this Falconer guy is probably a better shot and a quicker shot than your average person. But if someone's got a gun to run up and stop this guy, I could probably do it at a very close range. Do they really need to be an expert? Or they just know how to, they need to know how to like slow him down, stop him, threaten him, shoot him from five feet away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to offer that in terms of what what uh how it would be spun cuz I love my spin. I love my Al Sharpton spin. Uh I think the Somebody smarter in way... the chat said that CNN said um it's a good thing he didn't have a gun. The knifer. <laughs> well, sure I mean Maybe his success rate would have been higher. He's kind of like that guy in New York, like that face you make when you run through a whole mall stabbing people, but nobody dies, you know, <laughs> not very proficient. I mean, so maybe the answer is um, 
that that guy should have been as proficient as NRA Jason Falconer police chief guy. Maybe he should have had more training. I don't know. But whatever. Um, so I just wanted to get through that. We've got 10 to 15 minutes left for pre-debate politics, which I am oh, Jones and so God, I'm so excited. After we got through all that stuff. Um, I've got a few topics, uh, which I don't necessarily, there are a few that I want to cover just in terms of some oddities that have emerged from specifically Hillary's campaign this week, which I just can't, her strategy is so weird and her behavior has been so weird. And I know people often say like, you need to cover Trump's shortfalls, but hers are just so weird and his aren't up in the weird game lately. Um, (laughs) did you, did you, did you see the clip of her 50 points ahead? It was do you, bizarre. Do yeah. you want to watch that or should we skip that? No, we should it's watch kind of, it. I mean, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll play that. Uh, and it's not the content of what she says. I mean, it kind of is. She says, why aren't I 50 points ahead? And that's kind of a bizarre claim because you know the problems that plague your candidacy. But right. it's just her mannerisms and her. She just, just seemed weird. really disconnected to me. Like she didn't really know what she was saying. Like she was confounded by Trump beating her, even though exactly like she knows exactly what's wrong with her campaign. Something, something's weird. Something's just it's off. Bargain with her. collectively, and I will fight back. It's in bargain collectively, and I will fight back against so-called right to work. Right to work is wrong for workers and wrong for America. Now, having said all this, why aren't I fifty points ahead? You might ask. Well, the choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. He proudly declared himself 100% right to work. He even hired a union-busting firm to break up an organizing (laughs) campaign at his hotel in Las Vegas, where you are right now. Uh, And I know, I mean, campaigns kind of lend themselves to this, but I feel the same about this as I do about some of the Charlotte stuff. Like, you need to be a little more aware of some of your flaws here because that shouldn't be a question you should ask. Like, it couldn't possibly be because of me. I need your help to tell people about Donald Trump. Well, people know. Right. People, I know. You're, you're I know. running for Fringe. the highest office in the world. People know. It's not, uh, it's not like more tweets and more table coffee table conversations are going to change this necessarily but speaking of tweets i also wanted to highlight that strategy because we have to we have to it's our patriotic duty to shit post tomorrow night during during the twitter debate i I thought this strategy was really interesting uh so the clinton campaign uh let me get that up clinton campaign has let out this strategy here uh, to help Clinton win the first debate, campaign asks for online support early and often. I just thought a lot of these passages were pretty interesting in telling. The campaign's digital director, Jenna Lowenstein, who said that two of the campaign's goals for the night include amplifying Clinton's best moments online and influencing the narrative about who is winning, told supporters the most important thing they can do to help Clinton during the debate is to show their online support for her early and often. It's important that we're not... Uh, just turning this into the Donald Trump show in order to do this. She advised supporters to use Clinton's name and handle on Twitter during the debate, as well as the official debate hashtags announced by the debates, organizing commissions. These two hashtags are going to curate the conversation. They're going to look, uh, it's what they're going to look at when they're measuring the conversation 
all those headlines you see the next day, 50% of people tweeting, we're supporting Hillary. That's the conversation they're going to look at. She instructed them, tweet early, tweet your name, use the hashtags. So if you want to influence those headlines, Pepe, Pepe dominates Twitter (laughs) (laughs) during debate. Like, I think... I don't know. It's just another interesting uh, piece of campaign strategy because I see that and I'm like, I'm going to tweet so hard. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I don't know. I mean, unless I feel like she face? keeps doing stuff that en- energizes Donald Trump's base. Yeah. I don't know and, who, what is going on with her campaign, but it just seems like it's totally falling apart. I mean, and, I can't and be the only person that's perceiving this. No matter what, nobody, it's just the human nature, especially on Twitter. Nobody's getting on Twitter to tweet like positive things. Like, honestly, you and I, I think we're probably pretty set in terms of where we'll vote in this election. Um, (laughs) But I am not the likelihood of me getting on Twitter and being like, yeah, go Trump. That is way less likely than to be like, oh, look at this stupid whatever Clinton said. What an idiot. Pepe, Pepe, Pepe. That's true. And it's the same (laughs) for the other side. Like the Clinton people are going to be ripping Trump, not necessarily praising Hillary. Yeah, so you're yeah. trying to mobilize for like Twitter praise when that's not really why people use the platform. Nope, we use it to bitch. Everybody uses Twitter to bitch and troll and antagonize and yes, yes. yeah. So uh, this is a call to all shit posters. I know we have a healthy uh, base of shit posters here. You're on duty tomorrow night. Yeah. So if you can do it to us. You can do it to them. Yeah, clear your skin. Certainly, if you find us worthy of shitposting, you find Hillary Clinton worthy of shitposting. I mean, come on. We need you for the first time. (laughs) There was um, an additional piece. This is something pretty subtle, but this is probably right up your alley, I thought. And I think it's pretty interesting because Hillary's uh, Ohio campaign tweeted something out this week that I thought was interesting. So... Hillary's Ohio campaign tweeted this. It says, no one has the right to immigrate immigrate to this country, quote, Donald Trump during his rally in Florida today. We disagree, says the Hillary campaign in Ohio. And it's uh, an article from them or a post that says Donald Trump would have kicked my family out of the country. I'm a first generation American immigrant from Libya. Okay. And Hillary's, Hillary's official Twitter account retweeted this. So, to be clear, and again, it's one tweet. So let's, uh, I'm not going to go overboard in interpreting this. What's notable, though, is she is at least passively saying the world has a right to immigrate here because I disagree when Donald Trump says they don't. That's not part of her on uh, part of her website, part of her platform. She's not said that in a speech yet. But if that is what she means, that is quite the claim, and someone should ask her about it. Do you believe the world has a right to immigrate here? That is pretty interesting. That is unbelievable. The entitlement. This borderless society will be the end of the world, I swear. (laughs) How do they expect countries to run autonomously while simultaneously being borderless? Like... Doesn't it just stop there in their minds? Like, how can they even see beyond that? It's such a stupid idea. I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious to see where she goes with this. I'm surprised to see that from official campaign material. To, to say we disagree with the statement, the world does not have a right to immigrate. Here. That's, That's idiotic, not... though, because it's we don't think that we have a right to move to other countries. The average American no. does not think that they have the right to move to whatever country they want to. No. 
Uh, no, no, if I wanted to move to Europe, I would say, yeah, I'm going to go through the process that they have said is appropriate for me yeah, to go there. Yeah, and then unless you're Muslim, they'd be like, get the fuck out. <laughs> so I need to, yeah. So how do I get into Syria to you become say, a refugee from yeah, Syria? Yeah, really. You don't actually have to be Syrian. You just have to say that you're from Syria, even if you're from Afghanistan. That's it. That's all. And what about I'm Oh, Syrian. yeah, okay. So I just check the boxes on the application and lie a little bit, because clearly they're not vetted very hard. <laughs> Is there even an application? I don't know. Probably not. You just have to tell them how many people you've like honor killed yourself. And if it's more than one, they're like, all right, come into France. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah. So that that would be the exception. Send uh, your hate mail to the beauty and the beta. Yeah. Beauty and the beta. <laughs> that's where the hate mail goes, uh, which we haven't gotten a lot yet lately. Maybe today's maybe tonight's episode will change that. Really? I, like I hope so. I feel like I was pretty offensive. Yeah, pretty harsh tonight. But someone, like I said, someone's got to be harsh with all the stuff that's going on. We got to stop coddling awful people who are doing awful things. Yeah. We got to have the courage to call them out. I'm just not going to do it. Here, here's my last question before we wind out the show. I would just like to make a few debate predictions because I think this is just a fascinating matchup because Ooh. I never would have seen it coming a year ago. Never in a million. I mean, Hillary was predictable. Trump never in a million years would have seen it. So, and I think this matchup is really interesting because of the different strategies that the campaigns have taken. So I think the pressure is way, 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 way more on Clinton oh, than yeah. on Trump. Yeah. And the reason for that is not just because Trump's, you know, been a little bit behind or a lot behind for the majority of this campaign. It's, it's part of the strategy the campaigns have taken. So part of the intentional or unintentional, I can never understand, but part of the mastery of Trump's campaign is how low he has set the bar for himself in some of these things. Like if he, because of the, in the off the cuff things he has said and like the offensive things he has said in the past, uh, if he just looks reasonably presidential oh, yeah. reasonably he just has to intelligent stay the course and he's been so good these last few the last probably month he's just yeah. really pulled it together he hasn't been offensive and then when she got sick as shit like my instinct was like all right like get her now trump but he was like i hope you feel better and then i was yeah. like wow that's what taking the high road is oh. yeah i think that's kellyanne conway and i think kellyanne conway is going to have him on uh, i think i mean i trust her to like to have him yeah. on point for this and and in contrast like hillary not only is the leader in terms of the horse race but she is also campaigned in such a way that like i'm the stateswoman i'm the professional i'm the right. one who knows what she's doing i'm right, the right. one who knows everything frankly and i'm the one who is offended by words said the wrong way and things so and this in combination with her health situation like one cough one Could just, sneeze uh, yeah they've one, already said no stool no breaks her her margin for error is so slim so, like oh, in yeah, terms of her yeah. performance and, yeah. and this, it, she's in way over her head and she's going to crack with the pressure all he has to do and did you hear he's going to bring jennifer flowers well she now she's saying she's not going to go so that was the oh, thing was, was um, i also heard that pa, uh, paula jones and juanita broderick uh, wanted to come so if, well, maybe if he like can find she's really flustered then you know she might have a seizure because she invited mark cuban to sit up front and he doesn't uh. like trump and so that was kind of to like, yeah, but who likes Mark Cuban get in Trump's head? I don't know. I don't know that much about him, to be honest. I see him speak about stuff once in a while, but I gather he hates Trump or doesn't like Trump. The cosmos are aligning. Everything's aligning to get Trump elected. This is a fascinating time to be alive. I saw um, who's the general who serves in Trump's 
campaign staff, I forget uh, his name, but he was on Meet the Press this morning and they asked him, they're like, is it appropriate to invite Jennifer Flowers? Which if you're not familiar, she had an affair with Bill Clinton in the 80s. So that was Trump's response. Uh, Hillary invites anti-Trump guy to sit up front to get in his head. He says, okay, I'll do you one better and invite this <laughs> this chick who had an affair with your husband in the 80s to get in your head. And they ask him like, is that is that appropriate? And, and I mean, he, I don't know, he wasn't as strong in the answer as I would have liked, but it's... You Did I just say Paula it. Dean? I meant Paula Jones. Did you say Paula Dean? I think somebody in the chat just said that I did. Oh, that's Whoops. funny. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, good. Huh. The chat's keeping us in shape. Yeah, they might be um, lying to me, though. But it's like, clearly the the Cuban move was kind of an amateur trolling move by Clinton. And then yeah, the, yeah. the Flowers move by Trump is like professional trolling, like A plus, grade A. Seriously. A plus, whatever. Yeah. Good, good uh, high quality trolling. Uh. And he kind of like tiptoed around and is just like, no, you want to try to get in our head? We're going to get in your head. That's what he should have said because it's yeah. awesome. Trump's not afraid to do that kind of stuff. And I think that's cool. I agree. All right. Well, that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say on all these topics. We covered a lot of stuff. I know. Big day tomorrow. Oh, I'm so excited. So uh, a couple of people asked us if we would live stream the debate. And I do think that would be kind of interesting. However, it's your birthday, one. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so everybody tweet blonde tomorrow. Happy birthday. But also, you know, that's just, this is such a big event. I want to be engaged. Event. I don't want to be taken out of it by, right. like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to live tweet. Um, but I don't really want to be on like a stream of any kind. It's just yeah. so distracting. I just want to sit on the couch and I just want to enjoy it. And I, and of course, like if there are major developments, we're going to talk about it next week. Uh, yeah. Next week's podcast is going to be about it. I'll probably talk about it on Wednesday when we do the call-in show. I'm sure if there's something major, we'll both be making videos this week to cover it. <laughs> so it's not like we're going to be silent on this, but for the time of the debate itself, we're going to, just enjoy it, as is our patriotic American duty. <laughs> but I'm all set. Me too. You all set? Thanks to everybody in the live chat. You guys are pretty good tonight. Pretty well Indeed. behaved. Oh, were they? Well, I got to, whatever. We need to encourage them some more than if they're, uh, if they're well behaved, something's wrong. But anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you to those live chatters and our live viewers as they keep us honest. Shit posting away while we try to maintain sincerity, sometimes better than others. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube or on an audio platform, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. Remember, there's more material, including those new call-in shows on the audio platform, so check them out. That's iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher. They're all linked conveniently down in the description. Remember, you can always email us. Tell us we're wrong and hateful and awful people. Um, <laughs> beautyandthebeta at gmail.com we'll take your requests questions and suggestions there we'll be back next Sunday because if it's Sunday sorry Chuck Todd it does not meet the press it is beauty and the beta we'll see you then I'm here without her and he's still on my lonely mind I think about her and I dream about him all the time I'm here without her away But he's still with me in my dreams And tonight, and tonight It's her own baby